Hello and welcome to Carl's Interviews in podcast form. This is an audio extraction of the live interviews that I've conducted with some absolutely fantastic guests from all walks of life with a common theme of being truly inspiring and I cannot wait for you to hear their story. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another of Carl's interviews. Today I'm joined by GB Talent Squad shooter Yvette White. We're going to talk through her journey into the world of shooting, some of the challenges that she's experienced along the way, and really what the future looks like, especially considering Corona. But to start, Yvette, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and where this whole shooting thing began? Okay, so my name's Yvette White. I am an air rifle and 2-2 shooter with the GB Rifle Talent Squad. So I basically have two different guns that I use. Yes, guns. And I, when I say shooting, I don't mean photography, as everybody else always says. Um, and my air rifle, I shoot at 10 metres. And my 2-2 rifle, I shoot at 50 metres or 25 yards. Okay, wow. That's a, a lot to take in to start. So we start off with, um, how do you even get into shooting then? Because it's, you know, dare I say, it's not a traditional sport with anyone, let alone, a, um, I suppose people look at it, there's not traditionally female sport either, is it? No, definitely not a traditional female sport. Um, and my family were actually really against guns when I was growing up, like, wouldn't let me near a paintball gun or a BB gun or anything. So um, I never even thought that shooting was really a, like a sport apart from maybe seeing it in the Olympics. Um, and then one day I came home from university to find that my dad had bought a gun. And obviously that was a bit of a shock. <laughs> a little bit of a shock. And I was like, right, are you okay? Like, well, how come you suddenly changed your mind? He was it a midlife going... crisis thing or did he have a plan? Yeah, that's what I questioned. I was like, are you in a midlife crisis? Like, do you need some help or support? <laughs> um, and then I was like, actually, can I have a go? Because I've always wanted to have a go, but obviously they've always been so against it. Yeah. Um, and then he eventually said yes. Uh, and then on my third shot, I believe it was, I shot a 10. So it was a bit easier because it was a pistol target. But after that, like, I was hooked. Just the feeling and I think the, one of the best things about shooting is it's not just a physical sport. It's also very mental and you have to have a lot of bodily awareness as well. And since then, I ended up going to the club. And from then, it's just kind of blossomed into what it is now. Okay, so because I suspect a lot of people watching live and those catch up may not have the, the intricate knowledge of shooting targets and bets. So you, you say a pistol target. What is that in real terms? How big are we talking? Okay, so uh, in comparison, so this is the size of an air rifle target. Okay, so it's like a big piece is, of it. Here's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Here's one that's been shot and prepared earlier. Um, right. So you can kind of see like the outside ring. So all of that is from one all the way down into ten. And the ten... The size of uh, like a the ten or the bullseye is if you got a regular biro or whatever, and you drew a tiny little circle. That is about the size that you can see it somewhere there. That's about the size of the ten. It is it's very very <laughs> tiny. You have to nick it. Um, where in comparison, I don't have a pistol target, but it would be roughly the size of that. I don't know. I don't shoot pistols, so I couldn't say exactly. But yeah. um, it's roughly the size. So it's quite a big difference in comparison yeah i would say wow um but the 10 on a pistol target would be kind of that little bit in the middle so yeah, yeah a bit different in size but it was good to at least get my confidence going to start off 
And from what sort of distance did you hit that 10 on your third shot then on the pistol? Um, oh, I think it was probably about eight metres, something like that. But it's not so you literally you're pressed up against it going. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. No, I wasn't pressed up against it. Um, I think more for safety reasons, definitely wasn't pressed up against it because you don't <laughs> know where that's going to recoil to. Of course. Um, but yeah, no, it was definitely scary, like, well, scary for the first time. And, yeah. and my dad had this brake barrel that I was struggling to try and crack over my knee and he had to like help me because I was like there I was like I can't do it um but he did it for me and like helped me to load it and do it safely but yeah it was such a great experience and what was his reaction then obviously his dad can either go and I dare I say he was probably expecting you to just have a couple of goes to be done but to hit a 10 on your third go then what did he say after that he was like oh wow oh would you like to come to the club with me um, and then when I went to the club with him, like he saw me progress and kind of the attention that the guys from the club were giving to me to help me learn and progress better. Um, and then I started to get better than him. <laughs> and he was like, you know what? He's like, I'm 80% really proud of you. 20% a bit annoyed that you're better than me. And I was like, fair enough. Like, at least you're honest. But yeah. <laughs> So shooting is one of those things that I find interesting in terms of because obviously I did a bit of shooting in the army, nowhere near the level you're doing with, but we did on a regular basis, you do the rifle shooting. And yes. then I did a couple of years at times I went to Bisley, did some of the army competitions as well. And I found, as you said, very interesting um, in terms of the amount of discipline you do need. It's not just a case of the, the physical bit, but as you say, it's mental as well. So how do you train to be a, a better shot and how do you improve? I mean, there's loads of different aspects that you'd have to look into when you are shooting. It's not just one specific thing. So there's a fitness element, which is really important, which I've um, taken from a past of doing a lot of sport as well. Uh, there's a mental aspect. So I tend to use headspace. So it's a mixture of kind of mindfulness and meditation, which can really help me. Also with mental health as well, like everything, it just kind of sums it up quite nicely and then it also helps you when you are in competition for like uh, places or if you were in like say a final or leading up to a final mm -hmm. and kind of help you to concentrate and focus on what you really need to focus on. Um, and then there's the technique, the kit, the, the fit of the rifle. There's so many different components that people don't really think about. They just think oh, that yeah. you kind of stand there and pull the trigger, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. And you say about the fitness, though, I mean, I, I vision you doing like dumbbells with your trigger finger or something. So what sort of things do you need to do to prepare you for it? OK, so not quite dumbbells on my trigger okay. finger. Might not be a bad idea, but um, so at the moment, I've been doing a lot of hiking, obviously, because there's a lot of things that aren't open. Um, last summer, I really got into paddle boarding because I found the balance ex like element of that was quite interesting as well as then having a good amount of fitness for like kind of my shoulders and my upper back yeah um i do running on the treadmill because i really struggle to run outside can't lie i struggle to like pace my breathing with my legs i start running off too fast like it's just a bit hor horrendous um also do some body weight circuits uh some circuits with like weight as well like a little bit of everything to be honest and some yoga and balance stuff so there's a lot in there. Yeah, it makes sense. I suppose presumably the part of it is that core and the, having the strength to control your muscles to hold the position for a sustained period. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the one thing about shooting that people don't really or haven't really thought about is it's great to be strong, but you also need to be able to relax when you're in position because if you're tensing your muscles, trying to like hold it a lot, like even if you <laughs> imagine like trying to tense yourself right now, 
yeah. you're going to be shaking a little bit. And those little bits of shake, even if they're really, really minute, make such a big difference when it's down the other end of the target. No, I can imagine, actually. I suppose it just uh, every metre further back you are, it kind of magnifies, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. So um, my coaches can always tell if I've um, not been relaxing properly. They'll come up behind me and they'll be like, you weren't relaxing, were you? Because my group will be side <laughs> to side. You know, whenever you tense, your grouping always tends to go in like a kind of side to side line and they'll be like, what were you tensing? Like, why aren't you relaxing properly? And I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and in terms of then the training, obviously, naturally you'll do rounds down the range, but does your coach actually take you through those other bits you said about? So breathing, the physical side of it as well? And does um, one coach so, cover all of it? So the coaches, they do recommend us to do headspace or some sort of mindfulness, but I think unfortunately because either they don't quite have enough money themselves to be able to train themselves up in terms of um, the kind of mental aspects alongside the physical aspects. Unfortunately, yeah. they're not able to give us enough support surrounding that. So in terms of the fitness, I'm kind of sorting everything out myself at the moment. I'd really love to be able to find some sort of fitness coach that would be able to help me with it. But at the moment, I'm kind of sorting it out on my own, which sometimes it's great because I can just take it at whatever pace I want. So I did a 20K yesterday, for example. Um, as you do, yeah. <laughs> one of my friends uh, had this challenge and I was like, well, might as well push myself and try it. Wasn't so bad. The Doms isn't bad today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it can be hard sometimes. Uh, for a while with the GB Talent Squad, there was a psychologist on board who I do still talk to. Um, and he has been very, very helpful. So he helps you with different techniques that you can use like, whilst you're competing um, and things like this that I've used in competition who have, have really helped me and my performance. It's it's really actually quite something you mentioned about the GB Talent Squad because it's something we've spoken a little bit about in prep for this. But what is it then and how do you manage to become a part of it and what, what do they give you to help you go on? So with the GB Talent Squad, or like the kind of best way to think about the structures of GB. So you've got world class. So yep. I think there's only one female in the UK or one female slash male in the UK who's there, uh, Shona McIntosh. And then you've got the GB Academy where there are, I believe, I think it's six, give or take two, uh, people who are up there and they are GB, GB. And then there's us at the GB Talent Squad who there are people who can go up and progress up into the GB Academy if they show, you know, that they're good enough and they've also got um, a lot of, improvement that they, the coaches think are still there and then mm -hmm. underneath that you've got the england rifle academy and then you've got kind of other sort of county um type academies or squads and then it yep. just kind of filters out into clubs and things like that so to become a member of the talent squad i was first a member of the england development academy um just on a whim i was going up to uh aldersley so in wolverhampton to get my first jacket fitted and the guy who is one of the coaches in the England Development Academy, uh, Martin Buttery, was in there. Just ended up having a conversation with him. And eventually he kind of said, you know, actually, would you like to come along? Because I was asking about how you can progress. And he was, yeah. I was like, yeah, of course, I'm not going to turn down that opportunity. <laughs> I think it was within two months of me starting shooting. He was like, you know, do you want to come along? And I was like, yeah, like not going to turn that down. Um, two so, months from for, for that period it's like, that's incredible isn't it yeah <laughs> so two months in then I went there um and then I started training with them started competing with them and then so that was in September and then in January we had the opportunity to go to the Netherlands 
mm-hmm. to compete in what would be my first international. And I was like, you know what, I could wimp out and say, you know, that actually maybe I'll wait until next year or I'm not quite confident enough yeah. myself. Um, but I was like, you know what, like you're not going to gain anything unless you push yourself. Like if you fail, you fail, but at least you tried. Um, but I pushed myself, decided to go out and we went out in collaboration with the talent squad. And whilst they're there, the coaches have this saying where they don't just watch you on the range. They watch kind of you all the time. So see your behaviors, how you are as people, how you interact. Um, and from seeing both my behavior on the range and off the range, uh, on top of me also gaining, I think it was like a 60 point personal best, which is quite like a very big leap. Most people don't tend to go quite that much in a yeah. one competition. They offered me a, a place at the talent squad. So that was how many months was that? I think that was six months into me starting shooting. So yeah, it was it was brilliant. I remember I went home and um, I called my parents and I was like, "Guess what's happened?" And I got really excited. But yeah, did, did your dad give you a percentage breakdown of happiness and jealousy again when you got that news? No, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> not this time. No, he was just kind of like, "Oh, like we're really proud of you. Well done." Um, no, no, no breakdowns of percentages. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a little bit of reading on the talent squad, one thing I, I really do like is, as you say, the fact that they're, they're not just after someone that's a good shot. It's actually the all-round package and the fact that you need that right personality, right kind of individual. And I suppose for them, that's the fact that whether you've got the potential to be invested in their time and their effort to progress on and not merely, are you a good shot? And I think that's, I suppose that's really important across any sport and discipline, isn't it? Getting the right sort of person in. Definitely. I think they want to have somebody who they know is going to be able to represent them. They know that if they do go abroad or to other competitions, they know that they can trust that that individual isn't going to, you know, kind of mess with like the face or the branding or what's associated with the talent squad. You need to be able to show that, you know, your your sportsmanship, that you can be courteous, that you can be dedicated to your sport. Like there's so many different things that the coaches look for. Um they don't think they always tell you what they're looking for or what they've seen. Oh, they, they always have the little notebooks and they're writing things down. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you mentioned earlier about the, the pyramid and the fact that we've only got um, within the UK one athlete who's potentially class of world class and then sort of four to six below that. Why yes. do you think that is then? Why aren't we holding our own on a global stage like we do in so many other um, Olympic disciplines? So I think we do hold our own, but unfortunately I think it's a mixture of the time, the money, the people coming up through the ranks as well. Because I think there are a lot of good people, like some brilliant people that I know who I also train and compete with in the talent squad, um, same as me, who I think they could definitely have the potential to go up as well as I do. Um, But I think it's a mixture of the time, the money, and also the resources that we have available to us. So I think something that I would really like to be able to see start coming into effect in British shooting would be the ability for us to have some sort of maybe like lifestyle type help with um, the shooting. Because it's obviously I was at uni, I've just finished, but I was at uni. I was also working part time um, on top of shooting and then on top of obviously trying to see friends. Um, And it's very hard to juggle everything, to be honest, and try and get a good balance. So the first year I barely saw my friends. I'd be like, I'm sorry, like I'm going, I'm competing or I'm training. Um, and then I realised after the first year, I was like, no, I can't live my life like this. Like, I need to actually go out and enjoy myself. Yeah. Um, and then I think that healthy balance of actually going out and enjoying myself just made my performance just increase like by a lot. And 
you say about the money is, um, I mean, I wouldn't be, be able to begin to imagine what kind of costs are involved then. So let's start with the absolute lowest level. You know, what, what does it cost to go and shoot? And then let's kind of build up with how much it costs for that rifle that you're using then. Okay, so um, to go and shoot, it depends on which club you go to. Everybody has slightly different rates. So some clubs you go to, if you're already a member, it might only be £2 per session. Others yeah. might be 5 or £6. Uh, the National Centre, I believe, if you want to use electronic targets, I think it's like £8.60 per hour. Okay. Um, but most of them you kind of go and you just pay once. Um, and then obviously you have to think about all the fuel that you have to pay for for travelling to these places. So for training camps, I travel about two hours 45 to get up to Wolverhampton from where I am. Okay. Um, so obviously the journey there and back, yeah, yeah. plus driving rather up there, Um that's expensive on top of having to pay for accommodation. So I think a training weekend probably costs me about £120, uh, maybe a little bit more. And I normally have two of those a month on top of normal training as well. Okay. Um, and then trying to think what else ends up with all the costs. Uh, going to competitions as well. So uh, entry fees can be anywhere from £35 to about £80. So that was an unforeseen cost <laughs> <laughs> that was unexpected. Um, parts for the rifle can cost up to 200, 300, 400 pounds, depending on your rifle. Um, and then my rifle, which I will show you what it's here. Fantastic, yeah, I was, I was, the next question I was gonna ask. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a little bit excited today when I was um, looking at my rifle case and I decided to repaint on Yes. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the logo onto it, yeah. Got a little bit excited. Uh, so my rifle costs, I think it's three and a quarter grand. Wow. So it is, um, wait, if I walk backwards a little bit so you can see it properly. Uh, and where is that? To, to help me try and put that in perspective, where does that sit in terms of the the, the level or quality of pressure of that rifle? Um, so this rifle level intermediate. Is... Yeah, so this rifle, I'd say, is a very high-quality rifle. So these types of rifles could be used um, for kind of the top-level athletes, um, both international, uh, easily. because So this rifle has so many adjustments on it, um, which make it so helpful. So you can kind of see some of the bits. So, like, my trigger, this is um, my... Oh, my brain's gone. My grip. <laughs> my pistol grip. <laughs> You've also got like, my cheek piece where my head goes on, like my sight, and all of these different things. So like this in itself could be up to two hundred pounds. Um, yeah, just for a sight. <laughs> um, and then you've got the iris on that, which itself then can be two hundred pounds as well, depending on which iris you go for. So you've got colour filters and all of this, like gets a bit complex. Um, and then you've got like the butt plate as well. Yeah. There's so many different uh, elements to it. And how much does the thing weigh? Um, so this one weighs 4.7 kilos. So air rifles, I believe, you have to have them underneath 5 kilos um, for a competition. Okay. And then for my 2-2 rifle, I think it's below 8 kilos, but I'm not entirely sure, so don't take my word for that one. Um, I went for Lauren to jump on now and give us a, a message there explaining weights or things <laughs> for the textbook because she's just joined us. But um, so... You know, where do you, you start, see, every time you go and shoot, it costs money. To get to a place, it costs money. To be a part yeah. of it. So being part of the talent squad, do you get a discount or anything to assist you with that? Or um, So they give you two different payment options, which make it easier. 
um, depending on how you want to pay for it, whether you just want to pay for it all in one or whether you want to spread that out. Um, unfortunately, it does cost money. Uh, I think it's £480 for the year, but then you don't have to pay for any range time or the coach's time, so that pays for it all. So you can okay. either pay that in instalments or all in the one, uh, whereas with the In Development Academy, you pay a one-off fee of, I think it's like £150, and then every training session you go to or training camp, you normally then pay £25. So that would be for range hire and for the coaches as well. Yeah. But the coaches that I believe in, both of them, I don't think they get paid or I don't think they get paid much. So I do take my hat off into, like, to them for the dedication and the time that they put into us because they're, they're brilliant people, absolutely brilliant people. And how does that compare then to either our European counterparts or some of the ones if you look on the global stage? I know even look at, we just did a bit of research this, the Chinese have dominated so many of the shooting sports over time. So how does the package and setup we have in the UK compare to others then? So I'm not entirely sure, in all honesty, because I haven't spent much time um, asking people about everything that I get. I know that some teams, they do get... um, kind of a gym that they can go to so like a national center type gym but then obviously like it would change because of the level that i'm at if i went up into the next level i'd end up getting a lot more help which would be like physio uh, therapy as well assistance if i needed it and nutrition and things like that so it really depends on which level you're at if i was higher level i'd be getting more support but unfortunately at the moment i am this is the level of support i'm getting but i do have people around me which have really helped I love the way you know you've been really humble. With this I'm just at this level. I mean, you've been shooting all of five minutes and are already at GB <laughs> talent squad level. So let's not be so dismissive about that. But um, so, what's how do you get to that next level? Then, what for you personally? What is it that's going to help you get to that next level? So for me personally, I think that well, the next biggest challenge is going to be because I've just finished my course at university. It's going to be finding. Well, I technically I have a kind of job lined up, but. Um, finding a job that is going to be willing enough to be a little bit flexible with me like if I have to have competitions or days off or sometimes you end up having quite a lot of competitions and training weekends back to back so this year I think it was seven weekends I had back to back where I was up in different places or in a different country Um, and by the end of that I was really tired Um, so I need to be able to have somebody who's going to understand that and appreciate that and if I said actually on Mondays after training camp can I work from home because yeah. I'm going to be really tired I'd like to be able to have a company that's going to say yes like that's okay we understand um on top of that it's going to be the financial support then as well because at the moment I've just moved back home um but if I move out then it's going to be paying the rent and food on top of travel and everything else on top of it um also then making sure i'm just keeping a good enough amount of fitness and things like that uh the food that i'm eating make sure i keep my body in a in a good place of seeing good physios that i can trust um there's so many different things that are gonna be kind of crucial to me getting to the next level but i don't see any reason why i shouldn't be able to get there which is fantastic it must be quite exciting as well because clearly you've got an actual talent for this the fact that so quickly you a hit your 10 in front of your dad and then progressed and beat him as well so um what do you say the the biggest thing is to for anyone who's interested in into shooting then um do they have to have that natural talent or is it something that they can learn no i think it's definitely something that you can learn um if you're willing to put the the time and the effort into it but i say the biggest thing is that you enjoy it because 
if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to want to put the time in. You're not going to be wanting to do the potentially three, four hour drive sometimes. Um, like you have to enjoy it and to be able to be sensible with it as well. So I think just go and start off, try at your local club, try and find one that's like you find is really friendly. So the club that I go to, Burnham Target Shooting Club, they're absolutely brilliant down there and they've actually become kind of like my family, how much they care for me. And genuinely, the guy who owns it, I literally call him my grandpa. He's like, <laughs> he's, a, he's a brilliant guy. I can sit down and chat with him for hours and he supports me through this a lot as well, helping me where he can um, with some of the financial side to it. But just go down to your club, um, preferably somewhere that you know is going to be have quite like a nice attitude and will be quite friendly and just enjoy it and then when you enjoy it and you do the work it will slowly grow and slowly grow and you'll be able to progress in the sport and is there anyone else at the club that's at the level you're at or beyond that or are you kind of top shot already so at the burnham target shooting club for air rifle i am the top shot um for two two for prone not top shot yet because i only started prone kind of in january and then obviously we kind of had this massive lockdown yeah. um so i'm not quite there yet but for kneeling and standing which is the other part of 2-2 that i do i'd say i was top shot because i don't think anybody else there shoots 3p <laughs> <laughs> and you've mentioned the lockdown then have you been able to still train and do preparation during the lockdown or is it really restricted you so it has restricted me in some ways but in terms of 2-2 shooting uh sorry in terms of 2-2 shooting it has restricted me because i haven't been able to get to a range and that's not the kind of rifle that you're able to um shoot indoors or anywhere that's not a proper range whereas with my air rifle luckily with the help of burnham and then lending me this um well looks slightly ugly but um, it's been very beneficial. So this is a pellet catcher, and I've managed to mount this on top of a squat rack with um, physio tape, <laughs> shall I say, and some string. And I've been able to shoot directly onto it, so you can kind of see like the little holes that's in there. But because I don't have the full 10 metres, luckily there's a programme that we have called SCAT that allows us to shoot in smaller distances if need be, and they was enable us to um, print a target that's the right size as well. So um, the software, sorry, the software that we use called SCAT, it's kind of a little camera, so you can kind of see it here. Right, so, like, so this little bits camera. with it, yeah. Yeah, um, and basically it just traces your shot and where it thinks you've taken that shot. Um, so... It's definitely been the only way that I've been able to train properly and still be able to communicate with the coaches because they can kind of see then how I've been doing and things like that. So it helped, it's helped a lot. No, I bet. But presumably the pellet catcher only works if you actually you hit that tiny little hole in the middle. Oh, I haven't missed it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so my mum at first when I asked to make a range inside, she was um, displeased, shall we say, and uh, said no. Well, she thought I would miss the entire target, and I was like, "Mom, I love you, but I haven't missed the target in um, over over a year and a half, so yeah. I think I'll be okay." But there's no holes in the walls or um, in her computer, so she's happy. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. And it's what's incredible as well is that the I suppose the innovation, the fact that to be able to allow you to do this, to not only keep practicing, but the fact that the coaches have found an intelligent way of being able to still mentor and support you because. The worst thing, I suppose, that for you would be 
not to be able to practice and in other countries where covid hasn't been as profoundly affected they're able to progress as normal and maybe you'll fall behind or your advantage will go yeah so i was definitely worried about that um for a while but then i had my dissertation to compete with so i was kind of focusing on that whereas um now the dissertation is finished, I've been able to pick up with the, the shooting more often and the coaches have actually come up with a really good way um, for us to be able to actually kind of train together. So, you know, Zoom calls or Google mm-hmm. Hangouts, this kind of thing. So we actually all go on and train at the same time. So we'll say, right, Thursday at 8pm, we're going to be training at the same time. We all go on and we'll be shooting whilst on Zoom together, which has been really helpful, like very motivational, um, I found. And luckily... One of the ranges that I shoot at, so I shoot at a couple of different ones because my coach is down at one in Portsmouth. Right. Um, so I go down and train with him and that's back open now. So luckily every Tuesday we've got a three hour slot that we can go down and shoot a uh, 2 outside. So I've been working on my standing, kneeling and prone. So very, very happy about that. <laughs> it's such a stark contrast as well because I've been using Zoom with work bits and either collective meetings or I've introduced a weekly quiz as well. So this vision now, I'm sat there doing a weekly quiz thinking we've done quite well. And you're there, the GB talent squad, shooting on Zoom. <laughs> it shows the versatility of it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been good. So like, I'll put um, like my iPad in a certain position so that my coach can see like normally. So say that I'm um, in position and I'm getting ready to take shots. Yeah. I'll have it so that I'm in position and he can see like what I'm doing with this hand here. Um, and then he can tell if I've like pulled a shot with my trigger or not. He'd be like, oh, you pulled the shot. He's like, I can see it. You've, you've done it wrong. I'll, I'll look down at my scat and I'll be like, yeah, I actually have done it wrong. Like, goes <laughs> cool on it. Um, and he can see like if I'm moving too much, like if I haven't been doing enough balance training or if I just feel a bit unsteady, he, like he can tell. Like he can tell. <laughs> he's, he's a really good coach. And that is incredible, isn't it? And again, I mean, I, I put it back to the t- limited in comparison shoot you did with the military. They would talk about things like marksmanship principles and your breathing and everything else. But again, that level of detail you must do and the fact that the coach can, on a video call, see and by how you exhaled a release your shot, no, you missed there. Because you yeah. it, it's you're not there physically. No, no, it was a really good shot, actually, coach. I'm just not going to show you. <laughs> yeah yeah no like, i do i do normally show him um so he, he does know he see me at my best and he see me at my worst so that's the good thing with the coaches is they're always very supportive even if you've had a i know like a horrendous competition they never tell you off or they never have a go at you they're just like oh like come on like they give you a hug and then they're like go sit down and talk about it and create an action plan so um i'm never worried about sharing yeah. what i've been doing with them so they're always just really open and nice about it <laughs> And what, obviously, you're still relatively new to the sport and you've clearly got a talent within it. So what's your hope? What's your ambition? So my ambition would be to go to the Olympics or a World Cup, because normally World Cups are actually harder or they're higher scoring than the Olympics are. Um, But I mean, either I'd be very happy with. I definitely want to do at least one Commonwealth Games um, or one Commonwealth Federation Games, because I have like a European type um, match as well. But we just need to see. Personally, I have a kind of way of thinking that if I work hard and I push myself now, good things will come. And to not focus too much on the far, far future because, like, I haven't... I, like, when I started, I didn't even think about the point that I'd be on the GB talent squad. And I've gotten there. I didn't think I'd be competing for GB and I got offered a place to go and shoot in Finland, which was meant to be the 4th of June. The June just gone. But obviously, unfortunately, because of um corona 
of course. got cancelled. So I wasn't very pleased about that. But yeah, like I, I want to go all the way, but I just take things here and now and work hard now and everything just sorts itself out. And so the World Cup, for those that aren't initiating the world of shooting, is that similar to a lot of other sports here, football, rugby, etc., every four years and different times? And how does the World Cup work? Is there elimination stages to it or a league? What, what do you do? So, um, in all honesty, I still have a bit of a limited understanding of the World Cup. <laughs> um, I do need to brush up on this, but this is me just focusing on the here and now. Uh, but that I know of, of the World Cup, I believe there's a couple in a year I think okay maybe I think there's a couple in a year I think um and you always have a qualification and then a final so it's the same with any other type of competition that we go to there's a qualification qualification and a final so in the qualification it would be uh, a 60 shot match um that you do in how long do you have 75 minutes but you have like sighters and kind of quarter line time where you can kind of get yourself ready uh, and then you'd have the final. So the top eight normally go through to the final. Um, and then it's normally 24 shots in total where there's a first um, 12 before somebody gets eliminated. And then after every two shots, somebody gets kicked out or eliminated. Ah, uh, So, so it, it's similar to some of the field events, the fact that you have that first round and then progress through. Yeah, How- definitely. Have you been in any of the competitions where you've started getting towns to the numbers then where people are being eliminated and you've had to hold your own with the shooting? Yes, I have. So um, I think the best example was the British Championships uh, this year. So I had my qualification, wasn't the best of shoots I've ever had, but luckily I'd done enough to get into the final. Um, After a lot of waiting around to find out if I'd actually made it in, I had made it in, which is great. Um, and then I think we're all a bit tired as well. It's been quite a long weekend and, uh, we're all standing, you know, we're doing our, our 10, 12 shots and that was going well. And I was like, you know, what, just focus. And I find I really enjoy the pressure of finals. Like I really enjoy the feeling that it gives me that it makes my adrenaline rush and I really have to focus on my breathing, but I love that feeling. Um, and I was just, you know, just trying to focus on my own, taking my own shots and just really focus on my uh, routine and my process. Um, I almost got eliminated at fifth by accident because I okay. was one of the last people to take a shot. But sometimes it takes a while to register. Right. So um, they hadn't realised that. And they were like, so unfortunately, we'll have to say goodbye to a vet. So I started <laughs> putting my rifle down, getting yeah. ready to sit down, like undoing my jacket and stuff. Um, and they go, oh, wait, no, sorry, 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 there was a mistake. Um, don't worry, like, get back in, get back yeah, in. Yeah. Sorry, this other person's been eliminated. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, okay, that, that's that's a great feeling to know I wasn't eliminated, but now I feel bad for that person who just yeah. went out. Um, and then just battling, like, having to make sure that your shots are consistent. Because the thing with finals, it's consistency that counts because your score gets added and totaled up in, like, overall. It's not that just each shot, if you shot the best, then you, you get kicked out, whatever. It's a combination of okay. um, all of these shots that you take. So just keeping pushing, keeping pushing, keeping it quite consistent. Um, and then luckily I came out, well, not luckily, with hard work, I came out uh, third overall. So I'm currently the British bronze medalist. That's fantastic. 
And it's interesting all because obviously you look at um, other sports and that the nerves, the adrenaline can be really put into. And especially if you look at some of the either the field events where it's trying to you know, throw or put or jump further or running events. But I can imagine that must be quite hard to manage as well because you need to be calm and focused, don't you? So whilst you've got adrenaline coursing through your veins, <laughs> you're then meant to be as still as anything to release your thought. How do yeah. you with that? You do have to be able to calm yourself or make sure that you don't allow yourself to get too excited. So people have different ways of coping with it. But personally, I use a mixture of my breathing and I don't really look at the score. And I kind of just try and focus internally on myself. So if it's during a final versus during qualification, I kind of deal with them slightly differently. Yeah. So during a final, because there is more pressure, I find myself really focusing on my breathing and using the techniques that I've learned through Headspace um, and the mindfulness type stuff to really focus on myself. So a lot of positive self-talk, focusing on my breathing, how am I feeling internally? How do my legs feel? How do my arms feel? How does the rifle feel? And just focus on also replaying that last shot, especially if it was a good one. If it's a bad one, I don't think about it. But if it was a good one, just thinking that's how it felt, like that's how my head felt, that's how my arm felt, that's how it felt with my elbow and my hip. Like just do that again and just stay nice and calm because as soon as you get excited that's when it um can go yeah much to shreds. <laughs> and this self-talk is um this in your head or is this an audible thing someone lying oh, next to you shooting they're listening to you talking to yourself well then event that's really good what, what we want you to do now is... <laughs> no 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 I, I talk in my head don't worry i don't um sound <laughs> mad i think if i did start talking aloud i think the the judges would might tell me off in all honesty <laughs> they'd be like what were you trying to put other people up i'm like no i promise like it's just me self-talking so no no it's in my head so, so i don't sound uh, crazy is there an etiquette with the sport as well in terms of um not talking not disrupting the other shooters yeah so don't talk i mean if you can try not to flail about if you're on the line in your middle in the middle of shooting um, if you want to talk to your coach, so I think now you're allowed to do some sort of hand signals, um, as long as obviously you're not like hitting the person behind you. Yeah. Um, so if my coach is watching me and they can see that, I don't know, it's maybe like my trigger release was going really bad, they might just look at me and just like that. So I know that's trigger and they'll just be like, slow down. Or like, you need to calm down. Or if they look at me, I can see that I'm getting a bit hyped up. They'll be like, just calm down. Or if they realise that I really need to come off because I'm just having a bit of a mare and <laughs> need to sort my life out. They'll kind of look at me and they'll just be like, come off. And then you put your hand up and the judge will like come round and uh, they'll let you off. Okay. So you're actually allowed coaching in between shots then as you progress? If you wanted it, but you have to come off and away from your actual shooting point. So right. And that costs you time. So it depends. I mean, you okay. wouldn't want somebody after every single shot because that would be a bit tedious. No, so you have course. to put the rifle down, put the safety cord back in the rifle, put your hand up, which normally... Because they are quite busy, they don't always see you straight away, um, so it can take a bit of time. No, I'm presuming as well, I suppose, once you're settled in position, um, breaking it each time, you're then going to try and build it up and focus and get yourself sorted again. Yeah, no, they do teach you a lot when you're um, in your training and stuff to be able to break position and get back into it consistently. Um, it's very much a skill that is needed for competitions or training because you never know if I don't know, you've been standing there for too long and sometimes your feet or your knees can be in so much pain because like, I personally, I hyperextend my knees 
which okay. can be very, <laughs> very painful, but that's just because I can't lock mine out dead straight. I have to lock them out slightly backwards right. for more stability. And then sometimes like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it can be quite <laughs> painful. Um, so then it means that you have to kind of break position and have wiggle your knees to make sure that I don't finish competition in so much pain that I'm more focused on the pain than on my actual shot. Of course. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a very good skill to be able to kind of come out of the position and go back into it. And I suppose this is where it comes in again to, as you mentioned earlier, the yoga, the strength work and things, because it's it's one thing, you know, prone position, that's it's fairly comfortable. But when you're doing kneeling, squatting, standing, it's it's a lot harder, isn't it, to actually hold yourself in a, an unnatural position. It must be really difficult yeah. where the training comes in. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, even in prone, I think maybe it's just because I'm still quite new to it. Um, but sometimes because you've got a sling on and how your hand fits into yeah. like where the rifle is, that part of your hand can become quite sore or you can kind of lose sensation in that hand. <laughs> so every now and then you do have to take it out and give it a wiggle. Yeah. Um, but even in prone, like if you tense certain parts of your body, you're going to send the shot skew ways and kind of mess up your grouping. But yeah, I think the kit does help a lot. So like a piece of the kit you can kind of see they're quite sturdy so it almost looks a bit like a biker's jacket or something so like they're very because you referred yeah, to it and you said the jacket so what's special about that then what does it do so it adds stability so like there's different panels on it that you can see that are kind of made out of um like this is called like an evo mix so this is by high tech um and also like some bits that are made out of rubber and canvas okay. um, and then some breathing patches as well but it adds a lot of stability so um without it I and the shooters in general wouldn't I don't we wouldn't be able to shoot as high as we can because it aids like kind of your natural body position it also helps to protect you as well so um in some of the positions that we are in because we are so asymmetrical it can cause issues and it can cause injuries which can be quite catastrophic depending on the injury um so I have heard stories of people who've ended up uh, temporarily in wheelchairs because of the like the stress that you put on your back um and having issues then with their legs for a while as well wow uh, so yeah i do thank <laughs> a lot of things that i do have my kit and it also makes it easier to hold the positions and not have to tense your muscles it allows you to then be able to kind of relax into the position no that makes sense i mean it's i hadn't even occurred to me about the jacket but I suppose actually to achieve the ridiculous levels of pinpoint accuracy you do every, I suppose every single little bit adds up and the margin, doesn't it? So the quality of the rifle, knife, jacket, all of it. And when the shoes as well. Really? Yep. Yeah. So my <laughs> shoes, um, they're like that. <laughs> they, they look like a pair of boxers, boots or something. Uh, they are. They do they're, they're like very... <laughs> Like that's me trying, but like yeah. they're very, very um, flat soles that are very stiff. Um, it also helps with proprioception when you've got better shoes and can keep your feet in better positions. And it also helps to like hold your ankle in because of the, um, the different strapping. And there's so many different things that you don't realise are part of the sport. You don't realise that you have to buy. <laughs> yeah. Until you get into it and you're like, oh, I didn't realise that I need shoes and a blindfold, or not a blindfold, but like a blinder. And yeah, there's so many little things. And uh, at what stage does this stop being something you've got to keep paying for? You've got, I mean, do you get to a certain level where it's provided for you? Um, I think it depends on the types of sponsorships and 
uh, things like that you're able to come up with. So if you can find partnerships that work very well yeah. for you, then it's going to be something that you're not going to have to pay for. Or if you've got somebody who's helping you out with the financial side, then you're not going to have to pay for it. Um, like In terms of the suit, luckily those suits can last you for three years or four years, but it just depends on your level. Because if you're shooting in it all the time, it might be after one or two years that you need to have it replaced. And then new technology comes out, which is better, and new rules, and which then can exclude certain jackets and um, cause a lot of debacle between different people. Um, but, I mean, hopefully, at one point, I won't have to pay for all of that stuff anymore. <laughs> we'll have to see. It's... For me, and I'm sure people watching this and those that watch it back have, have seen as well, it's been such an education because I didn't realize how much was involved in it and then how much kit and equipment you needed as well. Because it, I suppose it's kind of from a naive perspective going, well, you go there, you, you get your rifle and you, you do it. Rifle, yeah. Yeah. But it just, I thought exactly like, the same when I first started. I was like, this, is cheap. this sport's going to be so cheap. All I need to buy is some <laughs> rifle and I'm done. Yeah. No. no. Like, I've been very lucky in the sense that I haven't had to buy my rifles. So because of the club that I've with, I'm with, um, they've lent me long-term these rifles for as long as I need them for. And then when I'm done, then I'll just give them back to them. Um, so I've been very lucky on that. And with my 2 rifle, luckily, there was an old member of the club who was moving to a different country. So he actually gave away his 2 rifle. And he was like, yeah, I don't really mind. Like, you can have it if you want. I was like, yeah, like, thank you so much. <laughs> I suppose that's so important. I mean, it's one of the things we've been talking about, again, offline from here, that as a young athlete, someone that wants to do well in here, it's I'd hate for it to be a position where you actually you're restricted or prevented of progressing purely by monetary terms. The fact that you can't afford that bit of kit or someone else has got an advantage, not because of ability, but by better kit. So it must be so hard and I suppose frustrating sometimes as well that there are these little levels that maybe others can't get to or you're going to be prevented going down the line. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. So, for example, like with the types of kit, so the type of kit I said I had is high-tech, it's just the brand. Um, but there's been a lot of people who've been going for this new type of kit that's made in India called Kapapi, um, okay. which causes a lot of controversy because it is very, very stiff, but they've built it in such a way that it passes um, the test that you put them through when you go through equipment control at competitions, um, which is great, but they're extremely stiff and they're expensive. So a lot of people have gone out and bought new Kapapi kit, um, but it's the question of how long is that going to be until they change the rules of um, that will then exclude the kit. Because I remember there was somebody who they did the trousers up. So you do the zips up and you do the like Velcro that goes around the waist and they left them standing. They went away overnight and they came back and the trousers were still standing in the morning. Like that's how <laughs> stiff they were. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like, it can be insane, but they've been engineered to pass the test that they need to pass to be able to be legal. Um, so there's been a lot of people who've been using those kits and getting really, really good scores and results. So it's, it's a question then of, do you want to spend a load of money and get a new kit? Or do you want to keep going with the kit that you have, even though it's, it's, it's hard? And again, it's, I mean, this has been a whole education, but that makes sense, doesn't it? If you've got kit that's so rigid that holds you in the exact position, of course you're going to be stronger, better, aren't you? So well, I mean, as long you as your position a, is a good headline. to start off with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's some things that sometimes people don't also understand. They go for a kit that's really good, but they don't realise that you actually have to have some sort of decent technique to start off with. Yep. The, kit will, the kit will help you, but if you have a good technique, the kit will help you a lot more. Yeah, of course. 
I do visions, and it's probably where my brain works now. Someone in such rigid kit that they kind of just fall down onto the position, hold to go. Well, um, we do get sometimes told off by um, some of the like adjudicators from uh, like English, the English shooting union. Whenever we go to competitions, or the judges, um, if you don't walk and you don't bend your knees, they get really <laughs> unhappy with you because you look like a penguin when you waddle, yeah. like because your legs. So, like, with your legs, yeah, you don't always bend them, so you kind of, you just end up waddling into, <laughs> into position, which doesn't look very, um, doesn't look very nice. No, I can imagine. <laughs> well, this has been genuinely really interesting for me. I mean, from, from someone that's, as I said, done a little bit of shooting the army to the level you're at now, I think it's fantastic. Um, Thank you. Lauren, um, who's a mutual friend of ours, has been giving me a little bit of advice and guidance and bringing me up to speed of some of the, the differences of levels to help with my education. And I guarantee people watching this have seen some people coming on who are clearly either fellow shooters who've got an interest in it. I suspect it has been for them as well. Um, what would you say to anyone out there? Because what we've both talked about is the fact that there's not a huge amount of people within the UK still taking this sport up. It's, you know, it's quite a minority sport. And um, whilst the equality side of things looks fairly good, and from what I can see, and you've said as well, that men and women are equally taking it up. Again, you've said yourself that people from sort of BAME backgrounds aren't doing this either. So what do you say to anyone out there that just wants to give it a go or get into it? I say just do it. Like, what do you have to lose? I think if your parents are worried that it's, you know, scary or it's dangerous because it's guns, I mean, any sport that you do is dangerous. If you do rugby, the amount of concussions that you can get can cause such bad mental health issues. Um, every sport is dangerous, but when you go to shooting ranges, they teach you how to be safe with these things. They, I've never seen anybody who's been shot by their own rifle or anything like that. Like, it's actually it's really sure. safe. It's actually really safe, yeah. <laughs> so I'd say just do it. Like, it'd be great as well to see more people from sort of BAME backgrounds because that I know of or that I've seen, I think there's only two that I know in, in the British um, kind of standards, at least to do with air rifle and 2-2. But it would be really great just to see more people coming in and be able to go down to my local club and there'd be a lot of young people. So I think yeah. the generations that are in a lot of the clubs at the moment, unfortunately tend, or not unfortunately, but they tend to be older people because this sport has a lot of longevity in it compared yeah, to other sports like athletics. So there'll be people down at the range who are in their 70s, 80s, still managing to get down on the mat and, like, wow. actually being quite good, yeah. yeah. And how does, because, I mean, I know ranges exist and shooting, but how does how do people find it and what do they need to do to actually go down there and give it a go? So you can either Google just local shooting ranges near you. There might be some that are privatised that will charge you a lot of money. I mean, if you've got the money, go for it. If you don't, like me... Um, just have a look and keep having a look. Um, or I believe on the British Shooting website, they do have a list of clubs or it's the English Shooting Union website, uh, the ESSU website, that one of the two of them has a list of clubs and you can find other clubs that are near you. Um, or they're also shooting groups online, so on Facebook that you can join, that they can give you advice and tell you like, how to get into it. But definitely do it. Like, there's nothing wrong with shooting. <laughs> it's not scary. Well, and, bit, but... if, if someone literally from, you know, complete scratch, is there all the kit there that they can hire at the clubs? Is there everything they need there to do it or they have to get some themselves before they go? So when you're starting out, you only really need the rifle to start off with and the clubs always have spare rifles that you can use. Obviously, Corona 
might cause a little bit of issues with that, but they of might course. just probably do it with sanitising the rifles. But yeah. there's always rifles at the clubs for you to use. They don't expect you to come with your own rifle. If you do have your own rifle, depending on the like the calibre or the pound per, I can't remember what it's called, but like how much the explosiveness <laughs> <of> <laughs> Um, you're meant to be my shooting expert here i told you i've only been doing this for two years there's so much i still don't know um but yeah so you can sometimes also bring down your own and use your own so if you had your own pistol and things like that um but also then clubs do normally have spare jackets that you can use and if you only want to take up as kind of just a bit of recreational fun yeah normally not even needing a jacket or a jacket as well that you can all borrow this stuff so it doesn't become expensive until you want to take it up properly yeah that makes sense and if anyone's been inspired or interested in you now as an individual and wants to watch your journey um how can they find you how can they track what you're up to so if you go to my instagram page yvette underscore shooter so yvette y-v-e w-t-e underscore shooter um i will be posting more videos it's just at the moment <laughs> just trying to find a, a good space because this at the moment my room is my room slash the gym slash Right. a lot of other things <laughs> because uh we're having part of the house like redone so we're living in what is kind of like a converted garage so <laughs> it's not very aesthetically pleasing for videos <laughs> um but yeah I'll, I'll be posting lots of stuff up on there and i'll also be posting more on facebook as well fantastic well thank you so much for this evening it's i've learned a huge amount um so much i didn't even realize about the sport um and i've also realized that there's lots you don't know about the sport as well so i think you've got some homework <laughs> to do i think i've got a lot of homework i need to do but it'll come with time but thank it's you so much point. for having me and have a wonderful evening and there you go it seemed lauren enjoyed it as well and um I'm actually only about 50 minutes from Portsmouth, so I, I may have to nip down and um, have a go at the shooting range down there, as long as you promise not to laugh when there is such a disparity in your ability and mine. I will never laugh, don't worry. Like Sometimes, sometimes my shots go way off anyway. I'm still learning, so trust me, I'll never laugh at you. Unless you laugh as well, then of course I'm going <laughs> to laugh. But um, yeah, no, definitely let me know. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time and have a lovely, what are we on? Oh, the weekend's gone. Have a lovely rest of your Sunday then. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. And that concludes another interview for the day. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening. And as ever, if you have any feedback, send it through to me at my Instagram handle of fighting underscore the underscore dadbod. Enjoy the rest of your day.